the best, most informed sports talk noon to three. It's the Killer Bees. Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. Uh, the deadline yesterday did passed. Nothing done. Uh, we all know this conversation. Running back value in the NFL is almost non-existent. Austin Eckler commenting on the current state of running backs. This is kind of trash that has artificially devalued one of the most important positions in the game. Everyone knows it's tough to win without a top running back, and yet they act like we are discardable widgets. I support any running back doing whatever it takes to get his bag. I understand what Eckler's saying and backing up the position here. Now, is it tough to win without a top running back? Kansas City's doing just yeah. fine without a top running back. The Eagles were in the Super Bowl last year, and they were just like, yeah, you can, Miles Sanders, you can leave in free agency. We don't care. They had running back by committee. Like, I think we've gone too far with the devaluation of running backs, but I disagree with Eckler saying that it's tough to win without a top running back. I, I agree with what you said, and I think that good on them for trying to get the wagons together and band forces and try and do something that they're not going to get any results from. Because at the end of the day, it's the team's decision, the ownership's decision, who, how much, and where they delegate and allocate their money. They're not going to do it based on the fact that quarterback and now as it's kind of spilled over into wide receivers as the second highest paid position, that they've seen the results. They know that in a pass-happy league, when offenses are going are slinging it all over the yard, and we've seen how when you look at top numbers and how it's affected top players and how they're related to all-time rankings, how quickly they're blowing some of the old stats out of the water, how pass-dominant and, and important quarterbacks and receivers are. R- running back is not going to get back to anywhere close to where these running backs want them to get to and the reputation in the past where whether you draft them, you're not going to be drafting them most cases in the top five. You're not going to be paying them like they're in the top three or four position groups in the league. And that's not going to change for the foreseeable future, no matter how many guys come to the defense of the running back position and say, this has to change. No, because it's the owner's decision to where the money's going, and they're not going to change their, their philosophy. Yeah. I'm curious if there's – I think that something has to change. Because, I mean, these running backs, I think that the, well, once they enter free agency – like there's going to be teams that that offer them more money than they're willing to take like on this franchise tag. I think that there's a long-term look and a in a short-term look. Uh, Derrick Henry had this to say at this point just take the running position out of the game then. The ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give their all to an organization uh, just seems like it doesn't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve. Henry did get paid though. He did. But I think this just goes back to a point you made uh, a week or two ago when we were getting into all this. You're going to see more hybrid running backs that play a lot more receiver because that's their only way of cashing in. Show their versatility. Show their ability to get out in, in open field by going out and running routes. Mm-hmm. And then show that they have an extra added value, which is where an owner might be willing to open up his wallet a little bit more. A general manager willing to make a contract for a little bit longer and, and bigger and then maybe they cash in more. But it's not going to be because they're all saying this needs to change and it needs to go back to the waste because the way that you're saying this and setting this up, what would have to change is you'd have to have a big, dominant, run, pound the ball offense in which a running back went nuts. And think about when was the last time we saw something like that happen in a league that's changed in terms of how offenses are structured and run and effectiveness. I mean, you go back to when Dickerson did it. Marshall Falk did it back in the day. You had guys that were flirting with it. But I just don't think you're going to see any running back have a season, even like a Derrick Henry, where you go, 
this is why running backs need to be paid. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's a unicorn when you get one running back that for one year can do something like that. But we've seen that it took a toll on Henry. I don't know if it's a unicorn. I don't know if you need it to win a Super Bowl, though. Like John, no, you don't. Taylor two years ago had a great year. Nick Chubb is a really good running back. Derrick Henry is a really good running back, and those guys have been on teams that win. But to win at the highest level, Kansas City last year with a six round leading rusher in Pacheco. Won the Super Bowl. They beat the Eagles, who barely used Miles Sanders. The Rams won it two years ago, and they had – was Cam Akers even healthy for that game? I can't remember. He, Didn't he have a torn Achilles and miss that game? I don't even know who no, was the leading rusher. No, I think he came back. But he was like maybe two carries, something yeah, like that? The, they had the guy from the Patriots that they brought back, uh, Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle. Like, yeah. again, like journeyman. Yep. The Bengals wanted to cut Joe Mixon until he agreed to a restructure, although you should trade for him in fantasy. He's going to have a great year. Tampa Bay Stop. had Leonard Fournette, who's a journeyman. They beat Kansas City. They're like They drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was a bust. So, like, you don't need so, running. And also, you've devalued the run game in the NFL. Like, running backs have been devalued. Why? Because we've devalued the running game in the NFL. It's a pass-happy league. So I'm not even talking about a Super Bowl. I'm just saying for a team and an owner to go against the norm and decide, hey, I know what everybody else is saying about how devalued the running back position is. But if you get a guy in, say, a playoff mid-market team that just runs crazy for a year, Uh even if that happens, you're not going to convince the rest of the league this is the way to go and suddenly running backs are going to get more money. So you mentioned my long-term plan on like how how this is going to kind of correct itself over time, but this is going to take 20 years. I think we're going to see a lot more Debo Samuels. In fact, we started to see more of those guys in the NFL than we did 10 years ago. What's my man that played Atlanta? Cordell or Patterson? Cordell, Cordell, Cordell Patterson? Cordell, yeah. You're going to see more and more guys who are hybrids that, that can do both. And I, I think that a lot of players, whenever they're you know in high school and they're going to be the best player on their high school team, they're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to play receiver. And plus, like in Texas high school football, they throw the ball 50 times a game anyways, a lot of places. The franchise tag values in the NFL right now, quarterback 32, wide receivers almost 20 million, running backs just over 10, tight ends are almost 11 and a half. Like offensive linemen, 18 million. Running back is the lowest paid offensive position from a franchise tag value. It encompasses the entire offensive line, which is probably a problem. I think offensive tackles are getting the shaft and franchise tags whenever they're being lumped in with offensive guards and centers. That might be addressed in collective bargaining at some point. The short-term thing, though, is these running backs that are really, really good, what they have to do is they have to enter free agency, and no one wants to pay them big long-term money. But I think that there is a middle ground and a kind of a you know understanding between owner between running back. How about you pay me a big AAV? I, I won't take this you know five year hundred million dollar deal, but give me twenty million dollars for one. And you know what that does? That actually raises up the franchise tag because the franchise tag is an average of what the top three or five mm-hmm. uh, salaries at that position. So if Josh Jacobs, even if they play, well, they can't play on the, they can't get a contract extension. Let's just say that Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley play on the tag this year, but then they're free next year. How they bring the position up is instead of trying to sign a four or five year deal, they sign for $20, 25000000 million for one team who has the cap space that thinks a running back can push them over the top. And like, but I just don't. It's not surprising what happened yesterday because the one guy we didn't mention was Tony Pollard. Yeah, like Tony Pollard has a, a thousand yard rushing year last year. Dalvin Cook is sitting in free agency. He's rushed for over a thousand yards the last four years each. Cut, like, yeah, cut, cut. Just like useless to their team because Alexander Madison, when he's the two or three games and Cook is out, he's great. Like you don't know that. I mean, 
like, look what Lions fans are going through right now on Twitter because David Montgomery got shot 20 yards backwards during a workout drill. He's doing like the pull thing where you got the, you're attached to like the rubber bands mm-hmm. and he got demolished by it. People are saying that's a bad contract already. He got what, like three years, 33. And they drafted Jameer Gibbs on top of that contract. Like, what I don't understand is why, a little early. you know, we have like Rob Gronkowski, like kind of famously, what, two years ago, he got an extra million dollars if he had a certain amount of catches. If I'm a running back, I'm saying, look, give me what you think you're worth, what I'm worth, as the base. But I want all these heavy escalators. If I reach 1,000 yards, if I reach 1,500, if I get X amount of touchdowns, that's what and, that's Well, the and path. then you factor in receiving yards, yeah, like, all receiving touchdowns. That's the path that these running backs have to go. They if I'm a running back, though, contracts. I do it all on carries. Yeah, but that team can determine your carries. I can determine my yards. I mean, carries and yards kind of go hand in hand. You have to have carries. It almost has to be yards yards for carry. Well, we've seen it before in other sports. When you know that there's a milestone coming up on a contract, it depends on who you have. Like, I mean, ownership can send a memo down. Yeah, it depends on who your coaches are, though. Like Dusty Baker talked about, he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to get my guys their milestones. Like, I'm going to get my guys their incentives." So it depends on who your manager, who your coach is. Are they in cahoots with ownership? Like, it, it depends. I think it's case by case. Yeah, you're right. It definitely because, does happen because yeah, the owners are going to send a memo, and then if you're the manager that pushes back, you better have a whole lot of clout in your back pocket, yeah. or you might not have a job. Like See, if you're Mark David, like if you're a Raiders player, like if you're Josh Jacobs. And you have an incentive in your contract, you know Mark Davis. He's so cheap that he's going to be calling down and sure. saying, "Hey, don't let him pass that." If you're in Dallas and Jerry Jones is your owner, I'm sure Tony Pollard and Mike McCarthy are not going to be getting the same instructions. Now, I don't think. Here's the thing, though, is I feel like this is more of a manipulation of the position. And yes, I think running has been devalued in the NFL. Running backs have been devalued in the NFL. But we also see a lot of instances where teams value running backs. Now, they don't necessarily pay them incredible amount of money. That's why I think it's more manipulation of the running back than like a refusal to, you know, value not or devalue running backs. The 49ers traded a pretty good King's ransom for Christian McCaffrey. Second round pick, third round pick, fourth round pick, fifth round pick for a running back. San Francisco traded all of those picks for a running back, so it shows you San Francisco values running back. How about the Falcons this year? They used a top 10 pick on B. John Robinson. They value a running back. We just talked about Detroit, Jameer Gibbs. They value a running back. So I look, do I think running backs have been devalued? Yes, absolutely. That's 100% true. But there is still value to a running back in the NFL. Them going as far down to $10 million from this franchise tag is a manipulation of general managers and all that to the running back position. And how the running backs strike back, how the running backs ultimately get back, is they stop trying to take these guaranteed long-term deals that pay them a low AAV. You go to one team, one season, give me $25 million of the cap room that you have. Because if, if Shaquan Barkley was a free agent right now, there's one team in the NFL that's going to pay him $20 million. They're not going to do it for multiple years. No, but that's fine, though, But it, it, because it, it bumps up the franchise tag number. Do you yeah. think there's a solution to where like, we could see a, a couple of things I've heard, which and they're all a little crazy, is you remove the quarterback from the salary cap, and you just like you can pay Patrick Mahomes $150 million a year. He doesn't pay work towards your salary cap. The other one would be the running backs try to collectively, you know, remove the franchise tag for that position. And the last one I heard that you know, Mike Floro has been pushing, and this has happened before, is that the running backs leave the NFL union and start their own. 
Barry Bonds, once upon a time, left the Major League Baseball Union, and that's why he wasn't in the video game. Same thing with Jordan. And same thing with Jordan. Did. So Jordan like, did it. The likenesses on the T-shirts like, and all that. Could the running backs... Bill Belichick does it. Yeah. Does he really? Yeah, he's yeah. not in the coaches' union. Could the running backs collectively strike, basically, and form their own union to try to circumvent this? I think it would be really fascinating. I don't think they can. You'd have to get all of them on board. That's the problem. And then what would the NFL do if that happens? Okay, well, we're just going to play without you. We're going to find – We're going to find. what do they call them, scabs? Mm-hmm. Just the receivers we're gonna, will play running yeah, back. We'll, find, we'll go find XFL and USFL running backs. Yeah. Or the receivers will play running back. Because essentially that's what they believe anyway, that they can draft a running back in the fourth or fifth round that can still be better than serviceable and do what they need them to do at the position while still overpaying positions not named running back. Yeah. See, it, see, I, I still think running backs matter. Like, I still sure think do, that there's value to running back. More than $10 million franchise tag value. The running backs need to figure out a way to manipulate the system like the owners manipulated it on them. I was going to bring up, and to your example that you did bring up, in the fact that there are going to be teams that still value running backs, and then it would just be like saying, instead of going out and trading for Christian McCaffrey, there's going to be a team that would be willing to, because of the way Shanahan structures his offense, pay a boatload of money or more money than and more what the running backs are looking for, but on a very, very short term. But because they know that they're close to Super Bowl work caliber and they have some money that they can afford to spend on the short term, there's going to be a team that doesn't have to trade for a Christian McCaffrey. There would be a team that if they were in free agency, they would pay a Christian McCaffrey because of the fact that he catches the football and he does so many things dominant without having to run between the tackles. Yeah. But I think that's that's where you get into your, your versatility of what you're talking about you know, in the next 10, 20 years down the road, how the hybrid position will turn into it. Aaron Jones, guys like that, even though he caught the ball fairly well, the Packers weren't going over 11 or $12 million a year. They weren't going to blow that out of the water as much as a lot of people said they shouldn't even have done it. They shouldn't have paid him. The, the Packers knew there were going to be other teams that were going to pay him, but was he ever going to get the ROI for them? I don't think so. Also, like, didn't the Panthers eat part of that contract with McCaffrey? I don't remember that. So, like, aren't you? So, like, if they eat, if they ate part of the contract, well, they were picking up the rest of the year. Yeah. So just, at least Carolina wiped them of a however many million dollars the rest of the year had. I, yeah, I just I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it took out all of it, but I think they ate some of the money, like the Texans did with Brock Osweiler. Yeah, I don't know. I so don't like, know that and much. That, and that's probably adds to the trade value if you don't have to pay them all that money. And but it's I, also it's a short term deal, realistically. But I think that the reason why they did it was they saved the millions for the rest of the season. They got out of whatever was left on the contract, and they got at least a draft pick or two as they rebuild. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. How, how do you fix the running back problem in the NFL? Is there a running back problem in the NFL? And buckle up, Texans fans. It's coming. Damian Pierce. How do you handle his contract situation? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. One of the favorite things in my life is Gentle Ben. You know this. But Gentle Ben now, they've been taking care of you forever with their product, uh, their their bourbon, their vodka, their gin. It is all so good. And they want to show you how much they appreciate you, though. Gentle Ben Spirits wants to treat you to a night out in Space City. They have an Astro ticket giveaway happening right now. Most places that give away Astros tickets, it's usually like it's to the single A's. Like they're, they're sending you to the Astros single A's. They're sending you to the Astros Royals. Not Gentle Ben because they're high class. Enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Friday, September 1st Astros home game against 
the evil empire, the New York Yankees. General Ben wants to send you to the Astros-Yankees game September 1st. What do you have to do? Well, you have to head over to their Facebook, their Instagram, at Gentle Ben Spirits. Click on the pin giveaway post for instructions. You still have a, about a month to enter. You have through August 14th for your chance to win. Find Gentle Ben Spirits on Facebook. Find them on Instagram and register to win tickets to the Astros-Yankees game September 1st. Also, if you're heading to Minute Maid Park on September 1st as the lucky winner, or any time before then, you can find General Ben Spirits serving up their specialty cocktails at Ben's Bar in Section 106. You walk in the Union Station entrance, you hang a right, and there's the Ben's Bar. Their secret? Unparalleled smoothness. They've mastered the art of eliminating impurities that cause harshness or that unpleasant burn in distilled spirits. You'll love what's not in it. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. What movie do you think of when you hear this song? He's blank, I'm Branham. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Yeah, what do you think of? Office Space. Oh, yeah. Great movie. I haven't seen Office Space in so long. Me either. I think I had it on VHS. Back in the day. Yeah, I'm an old. Yeah, that's a great movie. Great movie. All right, what do you do with Damian Pierce? Like, the running back situation's messed up. Saquon Barkley, no deal done. He's potentially going to hold out. Rumors are Josh Jacobs not going to play. Like, who knows what he's going to do. Eckler's unhappy. Henry's unhappy. Jonathan Taylor sending out cryptic, cryptic uh, tweets. Pollard's probably unhappy, but I think he's, he's like coming off an injury. Reports are he's going to play on the tag, though. Yeah. So... Like how, this running back situation is weird in the NFL right now. They've devalued running backs. They've devalued the running game. They still carry value. 49ers trade all that stuff for Damian Pierce. Two teams in the NFL drafted a running back in the first round this year. Bijan very high. Jameer Gibbs higher than people expected. For sure. So there's still value. There's still teams that value the running backs. They just don't pay the money capital. They pay draft pick capital. And then where they pick them in the draft. Damian Pierce is on a four-year deal. The, the Texans don't have a fifth-year player option on Damian Pierce because he was not a first-round running back. He played his rookie year last year. He's entering his second season this year. He's still got year three, year four to come. But if you're laying out a plan for your franchise, for your organization, you're hoping the arrow's pointing up. We think that it is. We think that the Texans are on a playoff trajectory at some point over the next three, let's call it three seasons. What are you doing with Damian Pierce? What is what is your plan of attack if you're Nick Casario on how you handle what many people think is your bell cow running back? I think you handle him year to year, and you see if he's able to sustain and build on what he did a year ago and then go from there. But I think that more and more general managers, as much as they love the production that they get early on, and you're seeing this, this with John and Jonathan Taylor and, and Chris Ballard, the GM with the Colts, he came out of the gates and as a second round pick he has knocked the world on its ear but then last year you know kind of a throwaway season I think general managers are going to say hey if you give us a massive return on investment while we got you when we got you that's super but if you think that tra- if you're going to think that that translates to us taking care of you and overextending either before we have to or when it's time to I think you're going to have a, a harsh reality coming your way because I don't think general managers are going to be willing to pay I wouldn't if I'm Casario. And, like, what is the one thing that we've knocked Damian Pierce on in his career? Like, I mean, Damian Pierce is going to be a good running back. We think he's a good running back. was a great find as a fourth-round rookie he running back. He seeks contact. He takes a beating. 
takes a beating, so it's probably not sustainable for a long period of time. So why are you giving a multi-year deal? Secondly, he's not a, he's not a three-down back. No, he's, like, not he's not, not great catcher. at catching yeah. the football out of the backfield. We wanted a, we wanted a like a supplementary piece to Damian Pierce that you could throw the back uh, throw the ball to. And I think Devin Singletary is that. But let's say that Damian Pierce is is seeking. 15 to $17 million a year. Let's say that you let him play out the rookie deal. Let's say you even franchise tag him because that's cheap. But after that, he wants a $15, 17000000 million deal. You paying that to Damian Pierce or are you paying $2.5 million to, to a Devin Singletary that's type? That's what you're going to do. And it's you not have even to. A Dev, it's not even a Devin Singletary type. When you look at a, a, a majority, I won't say a majority, but a good portion of the league and how they handle the running back position, they're already pre-planning for who's going to be the heir apparent a year or two before the, the, the running back that you currently have really doing things gets to a, an expiring deal. They're, they're getting fourth-round picks, fifth-round picks, guys they can develop, guys that once they learn the system, if the, the offensive line is decent, are going to do what you need to do, especially if they also add the element of being a pass catcher, that are going to do the things that you're getting out of the, the guy that's overachieving for you right now. And so they're already grooming the replacement. And much as Rodgers hated it when it was Jordan Love and it's a quarterback, it's different as a running back. You got to know when you come into the league that one, you do have to perform, but you also have to perform with the understanding you're probably going to be performing for somebody else when it's time to really get a, a contract. And you have to be prepared for the fact you're not going to get what you think you're worth when that time comes. See, I'm more of a believer in drafting a running back early in a draft than I am paying him his first contract. Like, I like Damian Pierce a lot. I think Damian Pierce is very, very good. I'm letting Damian Pierce play on his third year of his rookie contract. I'm letting him play on his fourth year of his rookie contract. If I re- like what he's doing still at that point, I'm going to slap the franchise tag on him, which is quite frankly pretty affordable. It's right around $10 million for a running back this year. It'll grow some because of inflation in the NFL, but it's still going to be a small percentage of your overall salary cap. If he's trying to hold out, if he's trying to demand a trade, if he's trying to like, hey, I'm not going to pay on that franchise tag, then I'm probably getting rid of him. But there's no way, and I love Damian Pierce, there's no way. I'm signing Damian Pierce to a long-term contract. I'm, I'm going to let him play out the rookie deal. I'm going to try to franchise tag him, and then I'm done with Damian Pierce. I'm looking for my next running back in the draft. Now, if there's a year where there's a really good free agent out on the market and I have money to spend, I have disposable money I can spend, I'm looking to see to sign the very best free agent running back, but I'm not doing longer than a one-year deal. Like, if I'm the Texans and I was a playoff team right now, and let's assume that Saquon Barkley's a free agent, I have $20 million to spend. It's going nowhere else. I'm a playoff team. I'm saying, hey, Saquon, you're, you want to you want a high AAV? I'll give you $20 million that I have that's disposable. It's, 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 it's earmarked to nothing else. You can have this for the one year, but I'm not paying you anything more than a single season. Yeah, and I, you're right. I think that's going to be a trend we probably see. We're going to see more of it. We're going to see a trend develop where if, in fact, a running back does cash in, it is not going to be long-term. It is not going to be the kind of commitments that they're used to seeing previous to that. And it's going to be on a – it's like when we talked about on a prove-it contract with a Correa or a prove-it contract with a guy in baseball. It's totally different because you're trying to prove it with the idea that you're going to get 8 to 10 years at hundreds of millions of dollars. As a running back, you're on a prove-it deal every day you're in the NFL on your first deal, but you realize in that last year – you're on a prove-it deal to prove that you get big money on a small deal, on a small length of a deal from another team probably because your team's moving on to the next cheap fix at running back so they can pay other players. Mm-hmm. Other teams that are good trying to be great are going to pay you a lot of money for a, a year or two to try and take their swing. And if they fail or even if they succeed, a lot of teams, that's when a team pulls the plug. And then you realize 
the rest of the, your career, you're probably going to be a journeyman if you're trying to cash a, che- a big check. 8863, if your offense goes through your running back, pay him or be prepared to draft running backs every three years. And if your current guy is really good, trade him for a pick and move on. Just get ready to move on pretty soon. Sucks, but that just may be the way it is moving forward. If, if somebody right now called me, and I'm Casario, and they offered me the McCaffrey package, a second, third, fourth, and a fifth for Damian Pierce, see ya. I'm doing that trade right now. I would make that trade this second. Why, why hasn't the lack of wanting to pay running backs increased the amount of running backs taken in the first round? Because wouldn't you say that those guys, like Bijan Robinson, his value is way higher than Damian Pierce just because of that fifth-year option? Like, I'm surprised we haven't seen that trickle down where it's like, yeah, we can get running backs there later, but they have they, they don't have those that extra year. I mean, you just had two guys taken in the first round when everybody says don't draft running backs early in the draft. I just like I wonder well, if that trend's going to continue or. But you said it. Saquon was a first rounder. You said it a in the fact ago. that there's always going to be <laughs> the unicorn exception to the rule, right? There's going to be a guy that looks so dominant in college football that looks to be so productive, and in this case, it happens to be a guy that can catch the ball as well as I mean, he runs the there, ball. There was two running backs drafted in the first round. Now, last year, there was not. This year, you had Jameer, you had Bijan, two first-round running backs. Last year, you did not. The year before that, you had Najee and Travis Etienne go in the first round. Yeah. Late first round, but Late, they win in yeah. the first round. That's still two first-rounders taken uh, at the running back position. And the year before that would have been Clyde. Clyde was the only one. He was taken with the very last pick. So, I mean, I, think, like, I like, think that it's actually saying, more popular now than it was six years ago. When we talk about the, the reach with Gibbs in Detroit taking him earlier than everybody thought you had to. When you talk about Bijan Robinson, that's what I'm talking about. There's going to be seasons when you see a guy that looks like he's just the exception to the rule. That you've got to get him because you're still getting him on the rookie deal. And you're getting a guy that you know is probably going to be a step above the other other running backs taken later in the draft. See, I don't hate the idea of drafting running back first round if you're good. Like, if you don't have that many other positions well, to fill, like, it makes sense to draft running back, get a lot of production on a rookie scale, and then do it again in five years. Well, it's like we talked about with the Eagles coming into this draft when we thought there might be a chance for them to take a Bijan Robinson. The reason why they were taking him is they're coming off a trip to the Super Bowl. They were loaded at every position. They had made a couple of trades that worked out completely the right way to where they were going to have a very top pick for being a team that just left the Super Bowl. And they were drafting from a luxury. They, they weren't drafting from a position of need. And so, therefore, you can take a running back that high. But other than that, you could have a guy that has a college season that's just so massively dominant that you could consider taking him high in the first round. But I'm not going to say that teams aren't going to take running backs later in the first round. No, I think it. I think it's been there's been about two running backs taken on average in the first round for like the last going back to Saquon Barkley. So I think that that's a fair amount, and I think that because teams don't want to pay running backs high value, they still think that they're a value bull. I think you're going to see teams that are already good drafting up these running backs in the first round. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. The will of bits. We'll see what the will has in store for us. We'll see what Joe George has in store for us. It's always fun. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. But first, a minute on Pro Dunk Hoops. They make the highest quality, the best basketball goals that you'll ever find. I've been walking through the neighborhood well, more two three weeks ago, not in this little heat wave that's going on right now. 
But after that storm, I mean, how many basketball goals did I see that were flat on its face? The rim was busted up. The backboard was broken. I'm surprised the HOA allows them to be there. You never have to worry about that with the goals from ProDunk. They are the very best. They're HOA approved. Everybody loves them in your HOA. They're, the wind's not going to blow them over. The, the rims aren't going to get jacked up and messed up. The backboard's not going to break because they have the highest quality that you'll ever find. Better than anything else you'll find on the market. Way better than anything else at the big box stores. Temper glass backboard gives you that true authentic feel a breakaway rim because it's height adjustable uh, five feet to ten feet you want to throw down some jams you're a little kid five feet you want to work on your shot ten feet anywhere in between as well stainless steel hardware it, it can sustain this houston weather it's rust proof as well certainly need that in houston as well also they have led light kits for night play just mention that heat look you don't want to be outside right now in the middle of the day we know that anybody that is outside in the middle of the day tip my cap to you but get these led light kits during these hot times of the summer so you can play at night when it cools down the sun goes away when you get home from work when your kids once school starts up again, they get home from school. Uh, backstop nets as well, so you don't have to chase the basketball around. You can order everything, including professional installation online. The pros at ProDunk will professionally install your goal at the perfect height, perfectly straight. You don't have to worry about this do-it-yourself thing. The pros got you from ProDunk. You don't install. The pros at ProDunk do all of the work for you. Give them a call at 281-351-9822 and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. I'm going to get me some kibbles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. It's time for start, sit, cut. Here's Joel and Jeremy. And Joe. <laughs> S2-D2. He said start, sit, start, cut. Start, sit, cut. Nice S2-D2. job. Look S- at you. S2-D2 has been really You're original the lately. the week off. So I'm taking the week off so and I can watch the Open the wheel Championship. How do we know that? How do we know what? It's in my brain. It didn't land on the wheel of bits. Joe's brain landed, landed on the wheel of bits. It's all about bit. what kind of ideas I can come up with, okay? And I got a good one today. Okay. Start, sit, cut. Traditional NBA center. Traditional oh. NFL running back. Traditional left-handed bullpen specialist. A loogie? A loogie. Those are your three options. Start, and we're talking sit, about cut. like in today's game. In like, today's which... game, a center who can't shoot the three, who has maybe a little bit of a mid-range so game, does but Jokic really count? Just... No, Jokic. Let's say because that's does where Embiid you... count and Embiid. No, they're probably as close to a traditional NBA center that you can get. So it's like yep. a Patrick Ewing. Yeah, like if someone tried to put or a... Dream, would Dream it, didn't shoot. Would the he three. count as traditional? Dream didn't shoot the three. I think he would now, though. I think he'd be pretty good at it. He's close. Oh, yeah. He's closer like traditional center. I mean, I think Akeem would be great in the modern NBA. A center with no jump shot, a running back who can't catch, a lefty who only gets lefties out. Yeah, because Akeem would be too easy. Akeem yeah. would be too easy. This is more just like the idea of the position. So it's more, let's just, let's, Ewing is the tradi- let's call it Patrick Ewing. Yeah, Ewing is the traditional. Stiff. But he had decent big, offensive strong, game. powerful, get on the yeah. low block, can make the turnaround in the baseline jumper. But ain't taking it out past 15 feet. And he's probably feet. probably don't want him defending on the perimeter. Right. Like, great player, but how do they fit in today's NBA? And what's, what's my traditional NFL running back? Is it Derrick Henry? Adrian yeah. Peterson. Yeah, more like... Adrian Peterson? More like Some, The guy Henry. can't catch out of the backfield. Yeah, you're not going to use him on third down, basically. And my loogie is Mike Gallo. Tony Sipp. Yeah. Great now, what was the dude Astro that was loogies. really good for... Cle- Brat, not hand. Uh, you're thinking of Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller. I Andrew Miller for a couple Andrew of years Miller. was a stud. 
Yeah, he was. He was really good. I always wanted him to land in Houston. I did too. I think it was happened. like it wasn't 2017. A lot of people were pushing for that. I think he was maybe yeah. if or he wasn't 18. if he wasn't the best reliever on the market in 17, he was close to he it. Was. I hear it was 17 or 18. I think it was, it was 17 because remember the Astros bullpen was did he a go Yankees for a short term? I believe so. Yeah, I think he might have been that year. That's what I was going to say. Did he go right there? Because then he had a couple of good years with Cleveland. I think he got hurt though, like right after he was traded. I could be making all of this up. Let's see. 17, he didn't get traded. He got traded in 16. He went from New York to Cleveland. Mm, And then Cleveland, he was an all-star in 17, but did not get traded. And then finished his career in St. Louis and was not good. Um, He's done done? Yeah, he's done. I think the last time he appeared in a game was 21. Yeah. Um, Man, this is kind of difficult. Today's modern sport. I'm probably going to start... You want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to start running back because I still think you're going to get a lot of use and a lot of productivity, even if he doesn't catch the football, out of a running back. I think that we've seen with reverse splits and the way righties get get lefties out that the the lefty reliever is less and less of a priority or a necessity. So, And I think from a traditional NBA center standpoint, as much as it's a layups and threes, three and D type league, the reason why that I would still consider a center, a true law, dominant big man center, is because not many teams have them, so they can't defend them. So you could be effective going to them. So I think to me it comes down to either running back or center because I'm truly getting rid of completely and cutting yeah. the loogie. So it's what you think is more productive, a running back that can just go like we've seen with Derrick Henry or a center that gets into a league where they don't have a whole lot of guys that play that way, can defend that way, or stop that way. I think that there's a better chance for more dominance in the NBA with a center that can't be guarded and that could do so many things that way and still play defense and block shots and do things that are effective no matter how you play the game. So I'll start the NBA traditional center. I'll bench the traditional NFL running back, and I will cut the loogie. Yeah, I have to back you up. I'm with you on that. Uh, I think that an NFL running back, traditional NFL running back, you, you play him on first and second down. I mean, he he's still very productive as an option, first and second down, and then you supplement him with a, like a, a singletary. You supplement him with a third down running back that can catch the football out of the backfield. So I think that a traditional NFL running back helps you more in the modern game than the other two. Lugie's, Lugie's the easy cut. Like a Lugie's yep. not even in the conversation. Uh, it will be for me, but... Not for me because, one, you have the three-batter minimum. Like, it's super important. You know, if you if you bring – even if you That's bring in – even if you bring in a lefty to face a lefty and it's there's, you already have two outs and he's like the final guy to get you out of the inning, what if he doesn't? And there's a righty on deck that crushes lefties. Like, so it, the loogie has been devalued a lot with the uh, three-batter minimum. It still has value, but it's been devalued a lot. I can find my traditional running back and give him carries first and second down. The traditional NBA center, like if we're, if we're thinking that a guy's stiff, if he can't defend the perimeter, he can't space the floor – I think I have some issues with my offensive spacing, and then I think I have issues defensively if he can't defend the perimeter at all. He'll be exposed in the modern NBA. So that's where, like, I try to think about, like, player comps. It's like Rudy Gobert is a very good center, but he is a major liability in the playoffs. So where when the Jazz with Donovan Mitchell, they basically wanted to take him off the floor because, like, he couldn't do any of the switching, any of the perimeter guarding. He's totally useless. So for me... He's my that's my cut because you can win an NBA championship with Draymond Green as your center. 
So like I'm starting the NFL running back because when I think about winning a championship, if I got to go through Green Bay, I want someone that can rush for 100 yards in the snow yeah. in Buffalo and Kansas City. So I'm starting the NFL running back. I'm benching the loogie because is it better to have a lefty face Tucker and Alvarez, two out of three batters, than a righty? Yes. And that center to me is just going to be useless in the playoffs. So that's why I'm cutting the center because I just think they're the least valuable. Yeah, I can I can understand that. Like I can it, understand that. A regular season is almost a different answer than postseason. But postseason, I want the NFL. Now I want the, the traditional the running NBA back. The NBA center, though, you can run into that same similar matchup that you mentioned for the NFL running back. Like if you're getting very specific on like how that NFL running back, traditional NFL running back is going to help you, like frozen tundra, a very windy game, a game with a lot of like moisture. You might have an NBA center where you have to have a matchup, just one series, where maybe he defends Embiid really well. Maybe he defends the Joker really well. So, like, you might you might run into a situation like that where you could really use that traditional NBA center as a one-off in a series. And because the counter the is Astros always, didn't have a lefty last year. You're right. And the counter is always with the running well, back. Will Smith. Is if Patrick Mahomes is going to score a touchdown in every single possession – can you afford to give Derrick Henry the ball three times in a row right. and potentially and just run the clock down mm-hmm. when it's a game of pace and scoring? It does hurt you, but I just think like the center to me has just been so devalued. If these guys who are six eight, Shabari Smith is going to get run at the five next year. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the I, center position true. is not even a position for all well, pro anymore. Well, but Joe, I'll tell you this: if you don't have Shengun. Jabari gets a whole lot more time at the five this year yeah. because they want him to be a guy that maybe bulks up just a little bit to be a stretch five. Because they have Shen Goon, he's probably not going to be put in that kind of role because they are somewhat going to play traditionally to get Shen Goon minutes. Yep. yep. I just, at, the, at the end of the game, when like defense and offense matters, do you think Jabari will be at the five or Shen Goon? Depends on the game. Depends on the matchup. Say so they're playing the Warriors. And Draymond's the center. Probably... After timeout? After timeout. Jabari. If it's the Nuggets, it's Shengun. Right. If you're going with a small ball lineup, Jabari's your defensive center. Yep. Because he, he gets you offense and defense. Yeah. He's well, yeah. well and he, he prides himself on defense, right? He likes to call himself the locksmith. Yeah, and if if it's one Good stop, if, if there's three seconds left in the game, up you're up by two against Golden State. Yeah, Alpi's not on the floor. Nope. Can't be because he doesn't know he, he his his quick twitch on rotations and switches is not there. And, and even basically covering the lane. And and we've already talked about the fact that his footwork isn't there to cover a stretch five on the other team or a guy that can bring you away from the basket. So you're going to live with a guy that might be a little less sand in the back pockets but can do a lot of things versatility-wise, still rebound the basketball, block a shot that gives you a chance. Seven one three seven eight zero espn What do you need to see with the Astros in the Mile High City in a case of how expectation Skews our thinking on things. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. Hunter Brown on the mound at Coors against by, against a fellow by the name of Jake Bird. Looks like an opener. Doesn't pitch many innings. It's only his second start all year. First one was as an opener. So Astros going up against an opener tonight. Hunter Brown against an opener. Take advantage because you need to. This is a this is a one of the 
juicier, should be easier portions of the schedule remaining for the Astros before they start playing some really, really good teams consistently. Yep. Do what you've done against Oakland. Do what you need to do and did against Colorado here because the Rangers ain't going anywhere. And we were talking about it during the break that even when they're behind multiple runs, this is a year and a team on a season where they are finding a way to win every opportunity they get. And it's just one of those things. You hope it's a fluke. You hope it's only one year. But it means they're not going away, no matter who's hurt and who's playing and who's not. So you need to do what you need to do, handle your business. And that starts with taking care of teams you're supposed to beat, like tonight in the two games in Colorado, and then as you go to Oakland. Tonight's one you should win. Uh, Two-game series are weird of like, what do you want the Astros to do in a two-game series? It's a getaway the next day, a day game? Two ga- Yeah. Yeah, they play. That's why I'm taking off tomorrow. Is because they're a day game, and I want to watch them. So I'm taking off tomorrow, and then I want to watch the Open Championship. So I'm taking off Thursday, Friday as well. So that's okay. that's the reason for my departure. Not leaving like some, uh, just taking the next three days off. I I want to look at this as a six game span as opposed to two versus Colorado and four versus Oakland. All six are on the road. Two at Colorado, four at Oakland. What do you need? Five and one at Ooh, worst. At worst. At worst, I want five and one. I want to show a dominant Astro team is is ready for business, and I want to show a team that's ready to to say we're going to handle ours. I want to see five and one. I, I've been very very, um, shall we say, forgiving and understanding and trying to be more reasonable with a lot of these in the past. At this point in the season, as we really kickstart the second half, because. They kind of fluked out two out of three against the Angels the way it all played out to me. I'm going to say go five and one in these next six. I'll take four and two right now. You tell me four and two, I will take that. I mean, the Astros are pitching BLAC tomorrow. Like Their offense is in Colorado. They should be good enough. Colorado's offense is also in Colorado tomorrow. I know, but they don't scare <laughs> me. Tonight and they don't scare me. I'll take four and two. Blankers wants five and one. Joe, if I told you right now. Joe's going six and oh. He's going clean. How sweet. many would you take right now? Can I. Can I take just being two back of the Rangers? No. Okay. Listen <laughs> to this. Uh, on the fence. I like it. Four and four and two. Four and four two. And two. I, think, I mean, it's, it's hard to be mad at four of I six be games mad on at the four road. And two. I want five and one. I want. Yeah. I want six and zero. Oh. I want one hundred and sixty-two and zero. Oh. Well, the Astros should never lose baseball games. Uh, seven one three seven eight zero ESP. It was very nice of one nine eight four. He heard just a second ago that I'm taking three days off here. One to watch the Astros game tomorrow, and then two to watch the Open Championship on Thursday, Friday. He says, "Enjoy your vacation, Branham." One nine eight four says this. Mm. Uh, thank you, one nine eight four. You're you're a gentleman and a scholar. Assuming you're a gentleman, you do seem kind of soft. Seven one three seven eight zero ESP and the HRP listener line. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Can I give you a case of how expectation skews our thinking a bit? Sure. Case study between a couple of Houston Astros here, all right? Player A has appeared in 75 games, 317 plate appearances, has a 93 OPS plus. I'm using that here because the average ball player in Major League Baseball, has it, it's, it's 100. Like they, they do the math to where average offensive performer OPS plus is 100. So this guy, 75 games, 317 plate appearances, a 93 OPS plus, and a 1.9 war. Okay? Player A, we get that. Here's player B. 83 games, 351, uh, 351 plate appearances, a 90 OPS plus, and a 1.7 war. So player A, three points better OPS war, very slight. Point two better in war, very, very slight. So almost the same value that they're producing for you. Player A, player B. 
So this is how a case of expectation skews our thinking. Player A is Mauricio Dubon. Mauricio Dubon, by a lot of people, was the first half MVP mm-hmm. for the Houston Astros. Mm-hmm. Joe George elected Mauricio Dubon to be his first half MVP. I think Chandler Rome covers the Astros for the Athletic. Had Chandler had uh, Mauricio Dubon as his first half Suck MVP. You, Jeremy. So you have a guy, 93 OPS plus, which is below average. Average again is 100. And he has a 1.9 war. Good, good. I mean, it's solid. It's solid for what you would want from Mauricio Dubon. Player B is Jeremy Pena. Player B is Jeremy Pena. Right there, same value as Mauricio Dubon. What are we saying about Jeremy Pena? What has been said about Jeremy Pena out on the Twitter world, the Twitterverse? He's a bomb. Bench him. He's overrated. He's no good. These guys have been almost the same exact value for you all year, but because of our expectation at the start of the year, it changes our viewpoint about them. Same value. Mauricio Dubon, we expect him to be David Hensley's backup. He's the first half MVP. Jeremy Pena, ALCS MVP, World Series MVP, same value. He's a bum bencham. You're right. And that's the what have you done for me lately, Janet Jackson philosophy I always talk about that skews everybody's thinking. The fact is, is that there's more a likelihood that Mauricio Dubon is this year's version of Montero than it is to be realistically thinking that Jeremy Pena is now going to absolutely crap the bed. But because of what Pena did during the playoffs last year, and we talked about this before the season even started, I said the the false expectation, the unrealistic expectation of Astros fan right now, an orange Kool-Aid drinking Astro fan right now is Jeremy Pena is going to recreate what he did in the playoffs for a full 162. And it's just not reasonable or feasible to think that he was going to do that, but a lot of people did. So that's why they already come in and are ready to criticize when he's not MVP worthy of the first half in the first half. But when we talked about it, when you look at the way he plays defense, when you look at where he rates amongst other shortstops in the American League, and he, he did throughout that first half of the season. Now, it waned off a little bit by the end of the first half, but he was up there in the top two or three in, in offensive categories, in home run numbers with shortstops, things like that. But because Dubon was ripping the cover off for maybe the first time in his career, everybody was play Dubon, play Dubon. You got to sit Pena. And it's not the smart or realistic approach when you look at the talent level and the expectations long-term for both guys. It's just weird how the expectation skews everything. Well, it is weird. Because, I mean, Pena, you know, budding star, can he can he pick up where he left off in the playoffs? And I expected more in his second year than what Pena's done. He's been very similar to he was last year during the regular season, almost the same exact player. And we didn't see this coming from Mauricio Dubon. And look, Mauricio Dubon, look, he, he, he took a prominent role on this team because Jose Altuve's injury. Like, if you don't have Mauricio Dubon and you're having to play David Hensley every single day, th- this team is in a worse spot. So I, sure. I get the praise for Dubon. It's just very, very interesting but, how our expectations going into the year, two guys have been almost the same value for you, and it's our perception of them is drastically it's different. It's prisoner of the moment as a fan. Where it could really hurt an organization is the prisoner of a moment from a general manager, right? So the same way that without a general manager, everybody is ripping Crane and Bagwell for what they did with Montero. If Dubon didn't have a couple more years of team control and he's a free agent at the end of the year, prisoner of the moment general manager that wants to pay Dubon for the year that he just did could get torched. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dubon's club control, though, so fortunately no, you don't saying, have to worry if, about if that. If he was free at the end of the year, yep. there'd, be a, there'd be a general manager or two willing to overpay his ass. What's the wheelhouse going to lead off their show with today? Well, I don't know, man. Um, musical chairs? I think that this bit might be done now. 
like I'm gonna have to change the calculus on what I'm what what the lead segment's gonna be because I used to clockwork. I knew what it was gonna be. Is it gonna be which wheelie wants to scrap with Branham? No, I don't think they want to do that. They don't want any part I think of you. Beaky likes me. I don't think Jake's a little Beaky, 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 Beaky. I think Jake's climbed up that tree before. All right, it's going to do it for us. Thanks to Joe for doing all the hard work. He's blank on Branham. I'll talk to you next Monday. These guys will talk to you tomorrow. The Wheelhouse is next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.